everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, the brand new Salt Lake location. Drop on by and see me, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It is Friday. That means several things. It means Howard Beck joins us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Josh Parcell is going to be on with us at 5.30, but being Friday, it also means it's uh, Gordon's list. And, uh, Gordon, we have a segment here where we can notch uh, a few items off the list. Shall we proceed? Okay. Let's start with this one, Jake. You you got me all right? Uh, We're good. Let's do it, man. Okay. Two weeks ago, Jake, the Sturgis bike rally came to an end. You know, the famous. uh, I do. Uh Uh-huh. Well, today, uh, South Dakota is the number one COVID hotspot in the country. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, most regions of the country have taken their turn going through uh, uh, a hotspot. Are they directly attributing that to the, the, the motorcycle rally? I, I, don't, I don't know the science behind it, but that's just what the statistics say. So I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Speaking of which, did you remember yesterday when we talked about the, uh, the report that came out of uh, somewhere in the Big Ten saying that 30 to 35 percent of the athletes who had been tested positive for COVID-19 had that myo, what, what, what's it called? The heart myo? condition, yeah. Yeah, I know the heart condition. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out today they're saying that that 30 to 35 percent was really about 13 percent. But even if it's at 13 percent, that's real cause for concern, I I think. I I don't know whether it's, you know, I don't know. You see so many numbers flung about these days that I'm not quite sure which is which is accurate and which one isn't. Uh, But. Anyway, another uh, uh, text or not text, but a tweet that we got was from someone saying that, you know, if it comes down to the Pac-12 wanting to play football, that it's not really Larry Scott who's the issue. It's Gavin Newsom, you know, and and in some of these states, these teams cannot hold practices because it's illegal. Yeah, I would guess push comes to shove. Uh, even um, uh, somebody like Gavin Newsom would probably figure out exceptions and things to be made. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how. I I know during the beginning in the in the thick of it, Gordon, where you know you couldn't even um, come within six feet of uh, your spouse. I do know that they found a way for the Lakers to go back to their practice facility, even though it was technically illegal at the time. So. I, I would because, guess they could figure it out. Is that because there are fewer people involved than in a football program? I'm not sure. I don't know what uh, California's got going on right now, but obviously it has a huge effect on teams in the Pac-12. And Oregon and Washington, too. They, they yeah. both have are in similar situations. But like I said, like with one-off exceptions as opposed to broad policy, my guess is uh, if push came to shove, they'd figure it out. All right, Jake, this is really weird, and I'm not even into this sport, really, but it just seems strange. The Kentucky Derby is tomorrow in September. Awesome. I'm excited. Let's get it done. First of all, I love watching the Kentucky Derby. I mean, I want the horses to be safe, 
and I, I know there's been some problem in the horse racing industry over the past couple of years, and maybe it's gone on longer than that, just come to the attention of everyone. But the Kentucky Derby in September, this is one of those things that we're just going to have to get used to <laughs> something a little different than normal. Isn't the Masters in, when's that, November? Is it that late? I wanted to say October, but maybe it's huh. November. Uh, hey, whatever. I'll take what I can get. I, I like horse racing. Uh, this year we didn't make it up to Wyoming Downs. I know they were racing up there this year. Um, but one of our favorite things to do, uh, get our friends together and go up and do that. I I was in Vegas just once during the Kentucky Derby. It was during a bachelor party. And, man, we had fun uh, losing money betting on that race. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love that they're they're doing it, and I'm going to tune in to watch it. Where was the race you you, uh, you missed? Uh, with Wyoming Downs, the the oh, racetrack okay. up in Evanston. Okay. Have you ever been up there? I've never. I've been by. I've driven past it. I've never actually gone in. Oh, it's super so. fun, Gordon. We we let's get the Monson crew together next summer, and we'll we'll go up there and make it happen. You'd love it. What's the Kentucky Derby on your on your list? Is that something that you have a burning? I think of the uh, three Triple Crown events, that's that's the one, right? I mean, that is the biggie. And maybe that's one that we need to put on our bucket list, Jake. I, I'd love to go to all uh, any one of the three. I, I'd love to go. I've, I've heard the – I've had friends that gone, have gone to the Belmont, and they've said that that uh, is, is super fun. I told you my dad went to the Kentucky Derby when Secretariat won. Yeah, that's that's something special. Because that horse was unbelievable. I remember watching Secretariat run. And uh, what, uh, is he just uh, just uh, a, a man amongst boys, really. Unbelievable what that horse was capable of doing. And when I, it's weird because I really do put sporting events at certain times of year. They remind me of that time of year. The Kentucky Derby reminds me of springtime. Uh, the Belmont reminds me of later in the summer. It's just it, it, that's where that's when it always is so for this year, and that's that's what it reminds me of. So I, I would like to go to the Kentucky Derby. Don't they say that like two hundred and fifty thousand people normally show up? That won't be the case this time, but I think that's what they they say they load that many people. A quarter of a million people. That's amazing. Around, yeah. around a around a racetrack, you know, that's that's unbelievable, you know. There's a lot of uh, mint juleps con- uh, consumed in that crowd, I'm sure. A lot of fancy hats. A lot of fancy hats. A lot of buddy. fancy gotta, hats. Would you wear a fancy hat if you went to the Kentucky Derby? No, I, I wouldn't. But uh, you just, just wear your rest, your sun faded fishing do. hat. It probably, uh, or a golf hat or something. Get into it. Jake, I got good. Well, I got what I think is good news for you, but I'm not sure that you're going to take it as being good news. Okay. You better sit down. Are you comfortable? I am. I'm very comfortable, actually. Now that you say it. Apparently, a new version of Godfather Part Three is coming out. Ugh. It's they're not redoing it. It's not like. It's not like a, a redo. They're just uh, cutting it up and uh, editing it different, including scenes that weren't in before, moving things around. And uh, who who's the director of that again? Come on, he's really famous. 
Oh, now that you say that, he has his own uh, his own wine. Uh, what's his name? He went to uh, <laughs> he went to college with Jim Morrison at UCLA. Uh, Mario Puzo <laughs> wrote to The Godfather. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, Thank you yeah. very much, Sean. Okay. Well, anyway, they so are they're taking, just recutting it or rearranging it. They're changing the title uh, to to what apparently he originally wanted. And they're shortening some scenes, and they're including new scenes, and they're just moving stuff all around, and they're shortening the overall length of the film, and they think it, it will make it much better. And it is the weak link in the uh, trilogy, right? Yeah, but it was so bad. I mean, are, are they changing the plot? Because that was bad. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if it was the well, length the, of the movie well, or everything that made it bad. <laughs> Spoiler alert, but doesn't Michael Corleone die in that movie? Oh, does he die at the end? I think he does. Yeah, I think that's uh, the premise of it. But I, I, you just, the God, Godfather was so good. And Godfather 2, so good. Godfather 3, just what a dud. And so now they're trying to make it right. And I have no problem with people trying to make a wrong right. Well, here's the problem, Gordon, is they based the first two movies off one book. And then for the third movie, they went uh, into the, the, the great beyond. And uh, the, the, let's just say the plot suffered. It's not unlike Game of Thrones. started making stuff up. Yeah, it's not unlike Game of Thrones. When they were there with the books, it was a pretty terrific television show. As they moved on from that, it, it went south quickly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, I still liked it. I still like Game of Thrones, but uh, yeah, it could have been, it could have been better. That's funny, you know, when you think about it, uh, different things. If if Game of Thrones, if they could redo it, I wonder if they would. I mean, if you if you could guarantee that it would make money, I wonder if they would be willing to do that. To they were talking about that as soon as the the final episode aired, and everybody almost revolted because it was so unbelievably bad. That there was already rumors that uh, that they would redo it, or at least like requests for them to redo it. All right, and this last item, Jake, is uh, a serious topic that I wanted to get into with you to find out what you think about it, because I I've read stories, people were sort of uh, mentally rejecting or f taking some sort of exception to Steve Nash being hired as the Nets uh, head coach. Uh, you said that his you know, lack of experience is, is evident and all that, and you weren't sure how that was going to work out. But some people have a problem with it because of the man's race, the color of his skin. What do you think about that? And is that objectionable to you? How do you feel about it? Uh, that part of it, um, I, I don't know if I know enough of the story to really come to a conclusion on that judgment. I'd, I'd like to think not. Um, you know, I, I, I said that, uh, Steve Nash doesn't have any experience, which he doesn't, but the little experience that he does have is basically kind of a consultant for Golden State. And so he and Kevin Durant obviously have a relationship. And, and the Nets weren't making any sort of hire without the, the sign-off of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if I know enough of the story to come to that conclusion.
uh, Gordon. What do, what do you think? I know there are plenty uh, of great black American candidates out there, and they decided to go a different direction, but I think it would be a, a pretty big leap to say that that was because of race, don't you? Uh, well, I don't like... Uh, okay, a couple things I don't like. I don't like it, obviously, when if somebody, whatever the color of your skin is, if that's going to prevent you or downgrade or disadvantage you in any way, shape, or form, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that there are only a handful of head coaches in college football or in the NFL who are African-American. That bugs me. That doesn't seem right. With all the people who have great football experience, shouldn't there be more head coaches? It, it seems to me like there should be. But on the other hand, I don't want to say, I don't want to punish Steve Nash because he's white and say, sorry, I know you have a great relationship with the players, the stars on this team, and you certainly have proved that you know a lot about basketball. I don't know if you'd be a good head coach or not. But there's a potentiality for that. I don't want anyone to say, hey, because you're white, you don't qualify. That, that, I'm uncomfortable with that. But I'm equally, maybe more uncomfortable with the fact that there are so few head coaches who are black that, that, that in sports. That, that drives me crazy. I think that's, that's just, it's just fundamentally wrong. How many black head coaches are there in the NBA right now? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not sure we can go through one. There are like just like a handful, right? I mean, um, who, I, who, let's see, who who who, we, who who are they? I don't know. Anyway, I can't count them all up, but uh, it seems like there should be more opportunity. And anybody or any organization that says, "Oh, sorry, uh, we, you're really good, but we don't, we we're not going to go in a different direction because of their their skin color? That, 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 I hate that. I hate that in all directions. Um, uh, well, I don't like that either. Um, but I, I don't know if that's the case with this particular uh, this particular situation. And that's what kind of sometimes makes judgment on these things hard, right? Because you look at individual cases and uh, sometimes it does or does not fit the narrative. But one thing that I uh, don't hear talked a lot about, Gordon, uh, in, on this particular circumstance is – how are how it does the NBA go about developing its coaches and what type of players or ex-players end up going into coaching? How available is that transition? To my point yesterday, I don't like the idea of hiring an ex-superstar right off the street with no experience. I don't you just don't see it work all that much. So how how do you develop uh, your next batch of head coaches in the NBA? How do they how do they come up through the system? What opportunities do players get after they're done playing? You know what? Uh, you know, is there any sort of like coaching university you could set up, for example? I don't know. Like examine. I'd love to see statistics of of um, former players who end up going into coaching. What's the what's the racial breakdown there you know is that a lack of opportunity or what but yeah. I, I think it's easy to look at the end product head coach which in theory somebody has to work you know through their 30s and 40s and get a crack at it usually when they're in their 50s or, or sometimes even later in circumstances like we can look at that end product and say well this is the problem well I I don't hear a lot of people talk about 
the the journey to get there and if there are problems there right are are enough opportunities for former players to to hone their coaching skills if they so choose are those there and how are those things decided yeah i i I don't think you can formulate any uniform course of action uh, that that doesn't seem uh, realistic um and, and really, if somebody wants to hire somebody they feel comfortable, they're going to win, uh, that's fine. But don't be precluding other people from an opportunity. That bugs me. I read a story recently, uh, I don't know, a few months ago maybe, and it was talking, it was, it was certain black coaches in the NFL who were talking about the opportunities that were available to them at, on the offensive side of the ball. And it seemed as though many of the black coaches in professional football were on the defensive side of the ball because of op- because of some sort of mindset that needed to be changed, needed to be altered. And I thought, wow, I never thought that. I didn't never, ever think about that. But that seems kind of strange, you know. And it should not be that way. Uh, so I, 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 I don't like telling people who to hire or who not to hire, but when it comes to uh, stoppages in opportunity of people based on the way they look or the way the color of their skin, whatever it is, I, I just, uh, that's objectionable to me. I just, I, I don't like it. And I wish there was a way that uh, this could be corrected along with a whole lot of other things, by the way. But, uh, we talked earlier about this BYU game coming up against Navy. I think it's really cool. The two head coaches are Polynesian. Yeah, I, uh, I that's think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's But they're it. qualified. These guys are qualified. I mean, so whether you're white or black or whatever you are, whatever your background is, if you're qualified, whoever's doing the hiring, give these guys an opportunity if they have earned it. Now, if you bring in, like you were talking about, Jake, well, what has Steve Nash earned? He's a Hall of Famer, but as a player, not a coach. And like you said, five years as a consultant with the Warriors. I I don't know. I don't. He's really smart. He's really bright. He's uh. He, I think he's capable, and I think he'll probably do a terrific job. I don't know that for a fact, but if there's another assistant coach out there who's going, wait a second, man, I've put in all this time. I'm more qualified than he is. Let me have my shot. It's complicated. Uh, we have a bit of news uh, here, Gordon. Real quick, this is coming out of, uh, of BYU. Um, I'll read directly from it. B- Oops, as I go right by. Got to love that. Uh, BYU and Houston have announced the game between the two schools scheduled for Friday, October 16th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium is being moved to TDECU Stadium in Houston and will be nationally televised on ESPN2 at 8.30 Central. Huh. So, one why, last home game for What the difference Cougs. does it make? Why would that make a difference? Why would they do that, you think? Uh, I have absolutely no clue. Maybe there's some travel restrictions for Houston or the the American Conference. I'm not sure. You don't think Houston went to BYU, do you? It said, hey... We'll play this game. We won't bail on you as long as you move it to our place. 
maybe that's the case. Yeah, maybe it's a. It, but that I mean, wouldn't that be I have no idea. somewhat strange? Guessing. Wouldn't that be somewhat a somewhat of a strange flex just because there's no gate? Maybe that's what BYU is saying. Hey, like we don't care. We'll travel wherever. We're not getting money for it anyway. Off the off the gate, of course. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I anyway, don't, I, I don't know. I just heard that story for the first time. A little breaking news there. All right, we'll, we will get to more coming up next. We'll, of course, talk more NBA throughout the show. Howard Beck will be on with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Josh Parcell, our good friend, is going to join us at 5.30. It is the big uh, big show. We are live here at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Stop on by and see us. Don't forget about their uh, Orem location as well, 86 East University Parkway. Our friend Clayton joins the show once again. And, uh, Clayton, I know you guys are fired up for the holiday weekend around here. You're I'm excited. going to hook some folks up for the de- biggest deals in town. The only plans I have for uh, Mo- Labor Day. Memorial. Labor Day. Labor Day. Can't even get him straight. Labor Is Day laboring? Boy. Exactly. Doing deliveries. Uh, sofas, adjustable beds into your home. Well, let's talk about delivery for a second. We haven't hit on that today. You guys flat out do it cheaper than the other guys. The the awesome thing about my dad is, and this is just for the radio show. So if you come in and you mention 1280 The Zone, we do free install. All right. On your adjustable beds. It's not that hard, but obviously installation is more money than just dropping it off at the house. So if you come in and you buy an adjustable bed, don't forget we're doing that special deal for eleven ninety nine. Adjustable head up only uh, with the mattress eleven ninety nine. If you come in and you mention the show, you mention that you heard me, Clayton, the best looking favorites. Huh? Uh huh. Uh huh. Then you'll get the free install with with the delivery. We usually charge forty dollars for delivery. Now, uh, if you live in Morgan, I can't charge you forty dollars. Right. If you live here in the Salt Lake Valley in the neighborhood, we'll do it for forty bucks. That's huge. With a free install. And and a great looking guy like myself doing it. Yeah. See. <laughs> no, but it, you know it's it's funny you mentioned that. But but the the warehouse you guys you're a family business. Exactly. You know the it, it's great. Uh, you're a big part of our community and. Uh, that's why you like to take care of people. So and that's much. a cool thing. Like I said, we, we've mentioned it before in the show, but, you know, my dad will come in here. He, he'll get you a deal. You'll talk to the owner. You're talking to my dad. And then he signs it off to me, and the son will come and drop it off to you. Or even down at the Orem store. Uh, my little brother. Yeah, right. Uh, Christopher And my uncle. There. Yeah, right. It's it's a family gig. Local, which is uh, supporting local businesses. Here, a little editorializing. Uh, more important now than ever, of course. Of course it is, especially in, in these times that we've gone through. You know, everyone knows. We don't need to mention the word. But we've gone through it uh, these last couple of months, and it's awesome to support local businesses. And that's why we also, you know, we sell furniture made here in Utah as well. Yep. We have local manufacturers doing sectionals here that we've talked about. It's the Clayton sectional. Um, we support them. They support us. And obviously it's awesome when people come on come in and shop local with us all right do it 1825 south 300 west he is clayton thank you very much sir thanks for having us all right it is the warehouse price is so low it'll blow your mind don't forget about Orem as well 86 east university parkway we'll have more big show coming up next 97.5 and 1280 the zone Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West, here in Salt Lake. Drop on by and see us. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It is the warehouse. Uh, Gordon, can I, can I uh, uh, 
hit on something real quick, and then we can jump back into the Jazz and into the NBA? I know you had your sure. your list, but do you mind if I, I come in on the back end with something real quick while I'm uh, why I'm disappointed? Please. So yeah. I I find random uh, I I find random couples hilarious, and so when I I saw the news yesterday that uh, Jay Cutler may be dating Tommy Lauren, uh, I I found that just hilariously random, but then apparently somebody was just making stuff up. Oh. Well, you got to be careful with that gossip. Uh, what is the what is the most hilariously random couple in celebrity history? Uh, wasn't it uh, was was Julia Roberts with uh, Tra- what, Travis Tritt? What, no, who's who was she with for a little while? Julia Roberts, a country singer. Yeah, I didn't know she was with a country singer. I, I know Renee Zellweger was with a country singer, wasn't she? With your boy uh, Kenny Chesney. <laughs> I, uh, this is the kind of stuff I don't keep track of. But uh, uh, let me see. I'm googling it right now. The most now random because... ever. I remember years ago when I found out that uh, uh, Sarah Palin and uh, and Glenn Rice were an item for a very, very, very brief time. <laughs> I thought that has yeah. to be the most uh, uh, randomly hilarious couple ever. What about, oh, do you remember when uh, when uh, Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg were a thing for a minute? I don't remember that. You no. don't remember that? Uh, no, but that sounds, uh, that's, now the that most, sounds like that would be somewhat... Now the most perfect celebrity couple ever. Unfortunately, I think they got a divorce a couple of years ago. But was you remember when uh, like Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman were together forever? Remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that that one always made me laugh for some reason. So Tommy Lauren and uh, and Jay Cutler, not a thing. And I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed because that's. That's incredibly random. All right, uh, Gordon, the the jazz. Julie are- Julie, Julie Roberts. Julie Roberts was, I think, with Julia Roberts was with uh, Lyle, Lyle Lovett. Yeah, Lyle Lovett. Wow. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. That <laughs> uh, seems. I don't know. Do you have any friends where you think of them that way? Uh, you you look at one and you say, "What are you doing with?" Well, that's not really what I was getting at. Like, what are you doing with this person? Like, one's better than the other. I'm just talking about the different, you know, backgrounds or personalities or whatever that would would make it seem random that you couldn't see them together. I'm not saying like, do I? Did you just ask me if I disapprove of any of my friends' marriages? <laughs> no, just no. I didn't mean it like that. And I didn't. Do I ever look at somebody I in their marriage just... and say, "Why are you married to this bum"? <laughs> Oh man, I don't know if we should be laughing at that or not. No, well, no, I, 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 I think because I wasn't of... even thinking, I wasn't thinking the physical side of it. I was thinking more like the makeup, the personality, you know. Because sometimes they say opposites attract. I think that's a load of hooey. I, I think you should find somebody who is as much like you as you can possibly do. Wow, when you that, that might have been the I most mean, narcissistic just... thing you've ever said. Why? You should look for. The, you should fall in love with somebody that that entirely resembles you. 
No. <laughs> you don't see no, what I'm, not... I'm getting at there? No. No. You don't see yeah. find somebody but, but, as uh, close it's... to you as okay. possible? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not for that reason. There's no judgment here. What I'm trying to say is that you can go down 20 different categories and on a scale from one end to the other uh, that, that you're either closer in, in likeness or you're farther apart. And if, if opposites, people say opposites attract, but if you are, for instance, let me give you an example, all right? Let's say that you're really independent, all right? What happens if somebody who's really independent marries someone who's really dependent? There's no right or wrong, but if, if that's going to cause problems, right? Because the one person wants to do it a lot on their own, and the other person wants to do everything together. That's not going to work. It's going to create problems. And you can go down a whole list of items like that. There's no right or wrong. There's just match it up as best you can. I don't know if I'm coming along with that philosophy, although I, I, I know you love yourself some Gordon, but I just didn't know how much <laughs> until this moment. What, no. what, do, what do you and, think? And, and thank you... goodness, th- thank goodness Lisa has certain qualities that make up for my deficiencies, that's for sure. But, it, so, but I'm just talking about in basic philosophy, in views, uh, because you've you got to come closer together to be able to coexist in, in a in a happy way, it seems like to me. What do you think when you look in the mirror in the morning, Gordon? Well, I think, what happened? Hmm. Okay. You wait and see. As you get older, that tends to be uh, a little bit more of the concern. What about what about when you were younger? Did you look in the mirror and you go, I need to find a spouse like this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't surprise me that you're going straight to the physicality of the whole thing. That's not that's not what I meant at no, all. No, we if, know what if, you if meant. You're, if, no, no, if you're if you're going <laughs> if you're gonna ask somebody out on a date, all you college age or young or some young people, whatever, or older people, whatever, who are, are looking for love, you're not gonna like look at yourself in the mirror and say, I want yeah, I, I, I need to find somebody just like that. No. Oh, I wasn't that's, kind of, that's kind of what you said. No, I, I, as, I, as I was pointing out, if you're an independent person, find an independent partner. How about you just, you know, love someone for who they are and make it work? Well, but I'm just saying that if you want to, yeah, that's what, what you're living in some hundred acre wood now. It's, no, you, no. You've got to, it doesn't sound overly romantic, but you've got to think these things through and match up the key points. And then you've got your category A's, you've got your category B's, you've got your category C's. Category A's are things that you're not going to really be willing to, to, uh, to, to, to depend on or compromise with. Category B, middle ground, you might be able to give up some here, but take some there. And then category C, of course, uh, not all that important. But your category A's have to line up. For example, it, it, what what category A's do you do you line oh, up? Oh, I mean, a- anything. I mean, uh, well, I, I think uh, independence and dependence, uh, being dependent is, uh, I think that is a category and, and which A. Which are you? Uh, I'm in the middle. <laughs> and, and 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 so so is my wife, you know. So uh, we we match up well in that regard, okay. you know. All right. 
What? What are you laughing at? Here I am dispensing this terrific advice to all our listeners out there, and you're over there laughing? I, I am. I, I am laughing because, you know, I, asked, I just asked you for an example of, of something that was really important to you that you and your wife see eye to eye on. And you said, yeah. well, the, well, the dependence thing. And then, yeah. I, well, where are you on that? Well, completely in the middle. No, I'm in the middle. That, that, that's a good thing. She's in the middle, or I'm in the middle, and there we meet. So that that, that works out perfectly. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I guess I was hey, looking Jake, for something a little bit more definitive, Gordon. Like like well, something that, def- that, that you truly definitive. bond over. Oh, no, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. You know, you don't have to say, "Oh, well, I'm independent. I don't ever want to see you." You know, that's too. That, that's ridiculous. You know, but if you if you if you're on the same place on the scale, that's what's most important. You know, for some people, it might be. You know, philosophies, whether it's, uh, you know, politics or whether it's religion or whether it's interests, you know, uh, they want to do things together. And so they they they, uh, they 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 are they go do those things together because they have those common interests. That might be really important to somebody. So love, well, give, you, give some, me, love you some you. I got it. We're no, you see, as usual, you're you're twisting this and. In the you wrong said direction. find a spouse just like you. No, you said who, those who, words. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Now I'm. It's more nuanced than that. It's not like I, I want to marry me <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it sounded like from this end. <laughs> that's what you're looking at. Okay, give me one example real quick. Let's get personal. How madly, is, how is, I'm how madly is in love with uh, madly in how, love with my spouse. She's just uh, like uh, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how is Naz different than you? Give me one thing. In pretty much every way possible. <laughs> really? And you get along all right? She is super super organized. I am not. She's a planner. <laughs> I am not. She's good looking. I am not. <laughs> yeah, but those are those are category C's. Those aren't category A's. <laughs> like or, or uh, she's definitely a type A personality. I definitely am, am not. You're you're pretty type A. Or Me? you can be at least. Well can be. be a being a pain in your backside is not being a type A. <laughs> <laughs> Being willing to stand up to the bully that is Gordon Monson does not make me make me type A. I could just see somebody out there, some 25, 28-year-old out there going and visiting his parents, and they say, uh, you know, have you found any uh, any girlfriends or, or boyfriends, whatever? I mean, got any, any love interests going on? No, Mom, I, uh, I'm just, i just, I got to find somebody, well, just like me. Just like me? That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I look in the mirror in the morning. I think, man, I need a spouse just like that. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll have more coming up next. Oh, Howard Beck joins man. us at four. We're at the warehouse, eighteen twenty-five South, three hundred West. More next, ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven-five. And 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, the brand-new Salt Lake location. Come on down, 1825 South, 300 West. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Don't forget about their location in Warham as well, 86 East. 
University Parkway. Uh, come on by and see us. Uh, Gordon, let's talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. We've got Howard Beck, who's going to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Looking forward, as always, to talk to Howard. Our friend Josh Parcell will talk some college football with us coming up at uh, 5.30. But you kind of uh, posed a question to me earlier in the show, Gordon, and allow me to kind of flip it around and uh, and ask you about it. How would you characterize this Jazz season now that it's all said and done from a um, expectation Live, or I guess uh, living up to your expectations and uh, as that evolved as the season went along? I expected them to be better than they were uh, during the regular season. I thought that uh, with the addition of Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green at Davis, I thought that was going to be enough to edge them up for for, uh, you know, second or third, maybe not second, but uh, I, I thought they would be right there, maybe a notch beneath the Clippers and the Lakers. And uh, that, I, I just didn't get the sense that that's where they were for most of the year, probably because Mike Conley was having to adjust and then he got hurt and it wasn't working the way I thought it was going to work. And it was really a weird season, Jake, as you know, because they were they went on these winning streaks and then they'd go on these losing streaks, and it was like, what, what, what's the truth here, you know? So, and then when they came back in the bubble, they weren't really weren't trying to win all those games, so it was kind of hard to judge. That's why that Denver series was so interesting, and I think the Jazz are right there with uh, the Nuggets. The Nuggets were missing a couple of uh, players, and the Jazz were missing Bogdanovich. Had they been at full strength, that would have been, I don't know how it would have turned out. Maybe Bogdanovich would have been able to add just enough offense to make it work. Uh, that's total conjecture. I, I, there's no way of knowing that. But uh, I, I, before the season started, I thought that they would at least have to get to the semifinals in the conference to feel as though they had made real progress. And the, the indications for progress came in other forms, like the advancement of Donovan Mitchell. Um, and I, I was impressed by Bogdanovich for the most part. His defense, not so much, but he did add a certain element that the Jazz didn't have. I thought their defense might be a little better than it was. It was horrendous for most of that Nugget series. Uh, that game seven was something to see, though. And that shows you what happened when you put when you get a good uh, defensive uh, perimeter or defend, uh, perimeter defender, sorry, uh, out there on the floor. I thought uh, Donovan Mitchell was doing really well with energy to do what he could with Jamal Murray and uh, Royce O'Neal also in that particular case. But there were other times when it just looked like these guys can't stop anybody. And so I thought they'd be a little more consistent defensively. And I thought they would make it to the conference semifinals at least, and it didn't work out that way. Almost, almost, but not quite. I didn't expect them um, to be that uh, great defensively this year, and we've we've talked about that a lot. But with all the what you just said in mind, Gordon, and I'm going to ask you a question that I don't expect you to uh, definitively have an answer, certainly. Um, and, and I certainly won't hold you to it. But as of right now, 3.52 p.m. on September 4th, is Mike Conley a good fit for this team? I don't know yet. 
And that's really weird to say. I know the Jazz played really well on some occasions when he played well, and I think that's encouraging. But that showing the other night in Game 7, if he had just been an average Mike Conley, they would have won that game. And that sounds like I'm dumping everything on, on his head, and I don't mean to do that, but he was subpar in that game. And you could say the same thing about Donovan Mitchell, perhaps, but with the nine turnovers. But Donovan had been carrying that team on his back throughout. And I give, I'm more likely to give him a bit of a pass uh, because of that. Uh, you can't just do all of that. He was trying to do everything he could, and at times he was trying to do too much because he didn't know where else to go. And that's a frustrating feeling for any player, any great player. And it's going to cost you at times. But Mike Conley, if if you get the quality Mike Conley, then I think he is a good fit. I know some people will say, well, when Mike is handling the ball, then Joe can't handle it, and that diminishes his effect. Uh, I, I think there's a way to work them both into it. Uh, so... I don't know if I danced around your question or not, but uh, they certainly can't abide a Mike Conley like in Game 7. That just doesn't work. I mean, you you tangoed right around that sucker, Gordon. But I I guess I prefaced it in a way where I guess I don't really expect you to have an answer because I don't know. I don't know how you would definitively one way or another. But but there are two things that I would consider if I were um, looking at this situation and I actually had any, uh, you know, authority to make a decision. I would look at the overlap with Joe Ingles and if that's uh, if uh, how big of an issue is that and then his size. I mean, yeah. can you do you want a backcourt that's six foot and six foot one? Is that going to work? Um, you, you know, we didn't see him get past Denver. Uh, who's not a particularly big team, but we saw how size affected that series. If they were to play the Clippers or, heaven forbid, the Lakers, I mean, they'd be so overmatched from a size standpoint. And, you know, the the NBA these days, Gordon, is the the players, the most valuable players are now the ones that are most versatile. The 6'5 to 6'9 guys, you can guard five, four, five positions and then can handle the ball and run the pick and roll on the other side. I mean, those those are truly, truly valuable players. But we're seeing guards get bigger and centers get smaller. And I just don't know if in this day and age can you have a starting backcourt of six foot and six one. For example, Golden State, Gordon, the Warriors, what, six three, six four? Clay Thompson, six ten. Clay Thompson's not six ten. Here, you want me to look it up for you? I'll yeah. look it up right now. Clay Thompson. There's no way. Height. 6'6 is what he's listed at, so I was a little bigger on yeah. that one. 6'9 yeah. uh, wingspan for Clay Thompson. But he's big. My point still yeah. stands. He's mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. small. You know, it's can you and you operate with two players at that size? Because Donovan Mitchell is not getting any bigger. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's, yeah. he's young, but he, I don't think he's growing still. So, and he's certainly part of the plan going forward. We all know that. If there's one definitive thing about this roster, it's that. So, if Mike Conley, if you're going to have him and he's going to be in the starting lineup, is that something you can deal with? Those are those are two things that I would I would consider. Well, you're paying him thirty two, thirty three million dollars per year. So, I mean, uh, yeah, can what can you get for somebody like that? I I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know what the alternative would be. Uh, but you bring up a great point. There were times when the Jazz on the perimeter looked uh, rather uh, defensively tepid. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm not necessarily – You, to your point, you might have Mike Conley on the roster next year regardless because, yeah. I mean, there's probably some value in his expi- you know, expiring deal, especially with uh, who knows what's going to happen to the salary cap. But can you get back the value that you want or do you just, you know, ride it out and make one more go with Mike Conley, which, which See, would be the easiest thing to do. But think about what, uh, what uh, the Jazz did this last offseason. They, they went with a smaller point guard. I get that. That's established. But then they also went with Ed Davis and, and Jeff Green and with Boyan Bogdanovich. And those guys are all, what are they, 6'8", six, 6'9"? Six, yeah. Mm-hmm somewhere in that range. And so you're adding size there. So you think that might be able to help. We've talked about how Ed Davis was going to be counted on to sort of be the uh, replacement for Derek Favors, not quite at that same level, but he could bring some of those similar attributes, including rebounding. But, but then he, that didn't work out. And then he gets hurt. And Jeff Green, I was, I was blown away with, uh, with what happened with Jeff Green. Uh, that that was just a huge disappointment, and so the the moves you made, you can see why they made those moves, and to make up for maybe some of the other things that they added as as uh, positives, and it, it when when part of it breaks down, then it leaves the other part of it exposed, and that's that's kind of what happened size wise for this club. All right, we'll get to more jazz, of course, coming up right around the corner. We're going to talk to our friend Howard Beck, but joining me now, he's our friend Tom from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. You had, you had to chase Clayton out of that uh, seat there, Tom. He was, no, he was actually, a little was reckless. Nice. I could go spend some quality time with some customers. Which you do, by the way. I don't know if folks realize that. If you come in, there's a good chance you're going to talk to Tom, the owner, or if you go down to Orem, Clayton, who's your brother, or maybe it's Clayton, your son. I mean, it's... We got to give a little love to Vidal. Oh man, it was good to see Vidal today. Vidal is in the Salt Lake store today, so if we have uh, any fans of Vidal come down here, he'll take care of you. I haven't heard him singing yet today. Thank you. I know. Thank goodness for that. That is painful. He's 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 enthusiastic. You know, like basketball, some people were born to pass, and some people were born right. to shoot. Uh-huh. Some people were born to sing. He was not. He's got great volume. He has volume, but it's very painful. It is a little painful. But, no, Vidal's great. Your your whole crew uh, is absolutely terrific. Thank you. Hey, any truth to the rumors that the Derek Favors coming back? Because I, I read two articles yesterday that. I've heard he'd like to. But he would like to come back. Some things might have to happen yeah, for that to happen. That's pretty expensive. For a backup to Rudy. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. But those are out there. I've seen those. Yeah, and we, we loved Eric on this show. He came on with us a bunch. And if you listen to Scotty today, the rumors that you guys pass on are always good. Con- like, yeah. like DJ's this morning. Uh, uh, DJ did pass along some stuff. <laughs> DJ's usually pretty good, though. Pac-12 is coming. It sounds that way. I hope I ho- so. I, I hope, hope so, too. Hey, we've got uh, adjustable beds. This is the weekend to buy do not wait. The price is going up. There is no inventories out there that everybody can make a deal on and everybody can uh, offer a discount. If you 
have been wanting an adjustable bed, come and see us today, tomorrow, or Monday. Monday's a holiday. We're going to do this deal. And it seems like we're trying to figure out a deal every time you come. We're going to do this deal. I cannot promise it ever happens again Mm. because my costs have gone up 28% on the basis. So uh, a queen adjustable, head-up adjustable bed, the entire setup, $599. The split king or solid king, your choice. I've got three mattresses to choose from. This is a package that's forty nine hundred to six thousand dollars. We'll sell it to you for nineteen ninety nine. Wow. And then if you're looking for the Gordon package, this is an incredible deal. There's like eight mattresses you can choose from with the base that you can use uh, Siri to tell them where you want to go. And that sounds a That's little... That's amazing, though. Sounds a little weird. Siri, take me to Nirvana. <laughs> but this bed is the best, and we're going to do it for thirty four ninety nine. Our competition on this bed is $12,000. Wow, that's amazing. Come look at this mattress. It's got the cuddle zone that Hans likes because he doesn't want to be split. <laughs> so it's only split on your head. The rest of it, Cuddle City. Amazing. Come see us. All right, 1825 South, 300 West. Get down here, of course, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. More coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.